coming up on today's podcast. Where does vision come from for you? Where, what, what are your thoughts on how we best identify it? Because, um, you know, Morris came out from underneath the tree roots into this uh, brave new world. And um, how, did he, how did he decide what he wanted? Or, or was it a quest to discover what he wanted? It's the biggest question I ask my clients when they come to me with a, usually a legal dispute, but some kind of business professional dispute is what outcome do you want? You know, in other words, what's what's your vision of the, of the future? And to be honest, they often don't know. And I think that's the challenge. You know, you come out or you experience something defining like that and you're not sure where you're going, what the future looks like. And for Morris, he sees a glimpse of something bigger and better which is this mountain in the distance i think and it, it goes back to my experience of living and working in london for many years many times we don't look up we can work in a beautiful city and you've just come back from a beautiful city chris you can work and live in a beautiful city and you don't look up you don't appreciate the architecture the skyline we don't look up at the stars there are things that we don't look up and see the potential all around us, the wider world, and, and that's it. You know, it's what's the possibility here? Where do, how can you even begin to imagine something more than you've known before? Change is in the air today and the tables are turned as my very good friend and colleague, Chris Cooper, interviews me about my book, The Mole and the Mountain. Why did I write it? Who for? And what's the key message for the times we're living in? I'm Jane Gunn, the Barefoot Mediator, and this is a show where we have some of those deep conversations about issues and choices that are impacting society and our lives right now. In today's episode, I am speaking with Chris Cooper, who is a broadcaster. The Business Elevation Show is his show, and I've been a guest on there a couple of times. He's also an author and a speaker specialising in leadership and business elevation. So grab yourselves a tea or coffee or something stronger and sit back and listen to us discussing how The Mole and the Mountain can take you, the reader, on a journey to discover more about yourself and the conflicts that we all face on this fascinating journey that we call life. So today at the turn of the tables, I am not interviewing someone. Someone is going to interview me about my new book. And that person is Chris Cooper. So over to Chris uh, to interview or to interview me, but also introduce himself and take it away, Chris. Hi, Jane. What a what a pleasure to be with you today. How, how exciting. Yeah, really looking forward to our conversation. Looking forward to talking about the mole and the mountain. Your new book. Very, very briefly, I guess you must be to introduce myself, Chris Cooper. I develop leaders, teams, and business cultures for organizations. For 13 years, I've also hosted the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. So I think I'm at 540 interviews now. And I've also founded a community uh, of highly experienced people who are contributing to a better world. It's called the Elevation Collective. So that's me. But let's focus in on you today, shall we? Yes, unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, um, just um, for those, if anybody here is listening and doesn't know Jane, uh, then Jane's a specialist in the field of conflict resolution, relationships and communication. She's the author of two popular books, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom 
uh, and boredom in the bedroom uh, and the authority guide to conflict resolution. Uh, and one of the things I was always really impressed with with Jane is that she'd uh, spoken at the United Nations and the White House and the European Commission. So uh, pretty, pretty impressive there. Uh, and she's an expert. I remember her from we first met at the Professional Speaking Association. And uh, she's just one of just one of life's good people, I think. Um, one of the people I took away that I would I would want to continue a relationship with and a friendship with uh, moving forward. She's also a global leader in who's who mediation. She's featured in the legal 500 hall of fame and she's holds the very prestigious professional speaking award of excellence, the excellence, the PSAE. So Jane, what a privilege. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. So let's talk about, let's get straight in and talk about your new book, the mole and the mountain. And I've just very excitingly, I've just received my copy. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And very, very exciting and probably a little bit different to some of the books you've written. It's a, a real, it's a real journey. And it reminds me a little bit of some of the books that I used to read to my children that had got a self-development angle too. But tell me, who's the target audience for this book? It's always a good question, Chris, isn't it? Well, I mean, initially my clients who tend to be executive leaders, lawyers, clients in businesses, entrepreneurs, but also young people. So it's quite a wide audience. And I know we're always talking about niching, but there's no specific niche for this audience. I think it's really people who are seekers and adventurers and want to find their own journey and path through life, basically. Yeah. I think the thing, if I can say already, the thing I, I like about this book is it's one of those, it's one of those that you can get something personally from it because it talks really about the journey of life and the adventure of life and going through challenges and adversity. But also it's one that you could deepen your relationship with it by sharing it with your children as well and, and talking about it and exploring it. Yeah. And I've dedicated to my three grandchildren who are Emmy, Isla and Freya. And, you know, mm -hmm. I do imagine reading it to them as well. And that was very much in my mind when I wrote it, as well as my adult clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's nice. Uh, nice, actually, to leave them a legacy. I you know, so. kind of I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They're getting copies for Christmas, so. <laughs> no, it, I, I, for me, it kind of, I, I, I went straight back into some of those books that I used to read with, uh, with the children and uh, the Gruffalo, and we're going on a bear hunt, but also, you know, the, the adventure, like the Lord of the Rings that I love, and, and I guess the most recent one that uh, my wife and I really have enjoyed, the boy, boy, the mole, the horse, and the fox. Yes, so, another mole. Yes, that's a brilliant. And Just I've got down here on the floor by my desk, the Velveteen Rabbit, if you like that one. I don't know that one. Yeah, the Velveteen Rabbit. That, that's one about, it's about life and journeying through life and the, and the benefits of being a little bit older and wiser as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you start to realise as you get a little bit older that, that there is so much wisdom within the elder generations, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they're forgotten there's a there's a there's a, ba a band of somebody gave me a, a cd of i think it's an american or canadian uh, and they're called old and in the way which i thought was that uh, <laughs> really which, which kind of made me smile i thought i don't hope i don't ever get old and in the way but 
you know, I, I do think um, I just come back from t working in Turkey, and I do feel that some countries just really do respect and and appreciate uh, people who are have got some experience under the belt. And I'm not sure it always happens in this country, in, this, in the UK, but not so much. There's a nice group where I get their emails, but it, which is called Growing Bolder, and I like that. Yeah, I like that too. That's great. But what made, what made you decide to write a book in this? There's almost a genre here that's appearing, really. What made you decide to write a book now? Very hard question, Chris, because I feel caused to write it. Some time ago, before, before we went into lockdown, uh, this vision of a map came into my mind. And it was a, a very clear map with, you know, drawn as a picture of a map with with characters in it so that that's in the book and that's what the book's based on and, and that came to me and I I got Simon who is the lovely illustrator of my book uh, illustrated this map and I've been using that as the basis of some of my work and some of my workshops and then wanted to write this story and thinking and the mole is a mole it's called the mole on the mountain the mole is Morris the mole and he's been featuring in all my books but rather silently he's just been there as a little character so I thought well you know who will be who will be the character? I think it will be Maurice the mole. He's been coming more to life. I think moles are shy little creatures. You see, so yeah. it's taken him a while to sort of find his find his character, find his feet really in my work. So Maurice the mole is the character going through the landscape of this map of this journey. Yeah. Okay. So, so was Morris the was was Morris the character creating Bedlam in the boardroom and? Uh, and... Well, he, he's just there. <laughs> he's just there in a very subtle way. In, in all of the illustrations, there's a little mole, oh, and that good. came because the feedback I was getting from my work is what Jane does is she creates molehills out of mountains, which is a lovely way of switching around that mantra, creating mountains out of molehills. It's the other way around with mediation and conflict resolution you're making a molehill out of a mountain yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense something i would say about the book that you mentioned uh your map it, it's beautifully illustrated which is really nice yeah and it's there's a lot in it really and I, you know and i think there's a lot yeah, there you go there it is yeah lots of characters lots of places to visit on the way yeah yeah, so tell, tell us a bit, let's talk about the story then. I mean, well, actually, before we do that, why do you think this book is appropriate right now? For me, I think the last three years has been um, quite defining for many people. You know, most people I know have had quite uh, challenging times the last three years, brought on by, you know, what what we've been going through individually and as a society all at the same time. And it seemed to me that for many people, you know, we've talked about going back to normal, but there is no going back. And that theme, I think, stuck with me is that, you know, we have to move forward. We can't go back to life as it was before. And how do we how do we come to terms with that, I suppose, really? And so it is partly inspired by that. But also, I think we all going through challenges and changes and crises all the time. Certainly my clients are. And so the journey that my clients go on or that I go on with them is one where you have to make sense of what's happening to you, what's what's the reality underneath this and mm. where are you trying to get to and where do you get stuck? So that's in there as well. Yeah. Mm. The story the story starts with a great storm, which seems very salient for me today, having had a 
terribly. Yeah, I having, having had a very large tree, um, it's a very large fir tree, collapse across my drive this morning. So um, I've been out there with my chainsaw today trying to enable myself and my neighbours to get out. But in the in the book, it starts off with this great storm when it fells an oak tree. Is that is that drawing parallel then to all of this, you know, feels like um, catastrophe or, you know, or a slippery slope we're on with the climate and uh, in conflict around the world. Is that what the tree represents? Yeah, so an oak tree, if you think about it, is something very solid. You know, if, if you've got uh, an ancient oak tree, an old oak tree, it's usually been around for, you know, 100, 200, 300 years, maybe. They're, they're long-lived trees. And actually in a storm many years ago, but near here um, an oak tree did blow over and change the landscape and that I'd you know I'd remembered that I went back to the stump of the oak tree and in fact shot a, a video about the book there recently but that's one of the things that you know it could be there for centuries and then the next day it's gone and when something's there for a long time you cannot imagine that you'll ever wake up tomorrow and it won't be there and if you do you sort of think oh if I close my eyes or go to sleep I'll you know I'll open it, it'll be all right again but it but it won't you know mm. that that tree is never coming back that landscape is forever changed and it's that yeah. kind of sense of how do we come to terms with changes that are so significant that we really wish we could just retreat back to how things were before or hide in the shadows and and not have to deal with it yeah yeah so so morris must be feeling pretty pleased with himself at the moment because he's got a massive promotion he's gone <laughs> from, he's gone from a footnote in a picture in some of the maps on your previous books and he's now he's now the hero in the journey bless him bless him he's come out into the light <laughs> yeah yeah I hope he's going to. I hope he's going to feel happy with all the fame and ad adoration he's going to get. Uh... I think he'll hate it, but you know, he'll have, to, <laughs> he'll have to come to terms with it. I think, but uh, you know, I think that's the thing about the character of moles. They're quite solitary little creatures who busy themselves in their tunnels, and they don't really, yeah. you know, they don't really want to be in the limelight very much. So this is this is the sense of the character. It wasn't someone who was searching for fame or fortune or whatever. <laughs> Because so he, he was living under the tree roots, wasn't he? And and yeah, uh, yeah, nice, and, nice and quietly. and Exactly. Living quietly under the tree roots, you know, and then, then you know, his home is is disrupted and he has to make a choice at that stage. You know, do I do I go out into the light and say, oh, there's another world out there. I never really noticed it before. What what could I should I venture forth or shall I shall I stay back? Shall I stay where I am and just bury back into my tunnels and make new tunnels or find a new oak tree or something. Yeah, I suppose it's a kind of a some sometimes we feel unsettled and we 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 decide or we decide based upon a vision that we want to head somewhere else. Or sometimes circumstances take over like they did with Morris. So the circumstances was he suddenly found himself without the home that he had before and then was almost um it was then that he started to see maybe there was somewhere else to to go he, he decided to go on the quest is is that kind of a message in the story in, in, and i think so i mean that can relate to so many different things you know you might have a significant illness or you might lose your job or a family member but there are what i call defining moments or significant moments where you have no choice but to deal with a new reality but there's still this sense in which 
I don't really want to have to face it. I don't really want to have to go on the journey that I need to go on. You know, maybe maybe someone else can come and save me. And I think that's one of the senses that we all have is, you know, we're looking around for a, a saviour, someone who can come and save me or look after me or make things better. And that's one of the principles, too, of mediation. So all of this relates back to the principles of my work and helping people resolve conflict is no one's coming to save you. You know, there's no third party who's going to say, here's what will make it better. You decide. And that's one of the very key principles of the work I do is what we call self-determination. You decide, you go on the journey, but and you've got people helping you, you've got a mediator helping you, and you may have other advisors helping you but at the end of the day we have to make our own decision and and find our own path yeah yes yes and i suppose we 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 go on that we go on that path as you say we might find people who kind of help us but in some ways it's about taking responsibility taking 100 percent responsibility ourselves to, yeah. to move forward and hitting that crossroads where where does vision come from for you where what what are your thoughts on how we best identify it because you know morris came out from underneath the tree roots into this uh, brave new world and how did he how did he decide what he wanted or or was it a quest to discover what he wanted it's the biggest question i ask my clients when they come to me with a usually a legal dispute but some kind of business professional dispute is what outcome do you want you know in other words what's what's your vision of the of the future and to be honest they often don't know and I think that's the challenge you know you come out or you experience something defining like that and you're not sure where you're going what the future looks like and for Morris he sort of takes a glimpse he sees a glimpse of something bigger and better which is this mountain in the distance I think it goes back to my experience of living and working in London for many years. Many times we don't look up. We can work in a beautiful city and you've just come back from a beautiful city, Chris. You can work and live in a beautiful city and you don't look up. You don't appreciate the architecture, the skyline. We don't look up at the stars. There are things that we don't look up and see the potential all around us, the wider world, and, and that's it. You know, it's what's the possibility here? Where do you, how can you even begin to imagine something more than you've known before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was um, I was just reading something at the weekend in, in the news, which was about, it was, a bit about, it was about learning, and it was talking about how we, you know, we learn more if we put ourselves into situations that we've not been in before. Uh, you know, into new adventures. Yes. And I, I think, you know, I think what's happened with Morris in your book is um, when, when you go on an adventure like that, and we've, we've talked about, I've been on a very unusual adventure, discovering the world of Rumi in, in Turkey that I never envisaged I would ever go on, but something compelled me to go on. And it started to make sense now. It didn't make sense initially as to why I was doing it. But but by stepping into that and, and being in a, an environment where, lots of different things are happening you you your um ability to learn and absorb and change and evolve happens now in in the book you have a bit about you know tell it about burdens and baggage and, and we all can end up starting off on a journey with a very heavy rucksack yes yeah yeah and i think again you know relate to to, to the people i work with and to myself we all, we've all got 
a lot of baggage, haven't we? We've all got this sort of heavy rucksack that we carry around with us and it's got lots of stuff in it. It could be our beliefs and our, uh, you know, our past experiences, things that have happened to us, relationships, but we carry all of that with us. And maybe we don't understand what it is, how it's impacting us, how it's impacting others and how it may be holding us back. So, you know, sometimes there's a need to take it off, have a look, <laughs> chuck some stuff out and say, well, I don't really need that anymore. You know, I've been carrying that around and maybe it's holding me back. Maybe it's, you know, weighing me down. So yeah. that's burdens and baggage. And uh, yeah, we don't we don't often take a look at that back on our pack on our back and say, what's in there really? You know, what is it that's holding me down weighing me down it's very heavy <laughs> <laughs> and at the weekend i had a reasonable size i had to have a suit i had a reasonable size quite heavy bag and i thought that was one of the things i was thinking i could have didn't need to take that jumper i didn't didn't really need those extra two shirts and uh and my um my, my one of my colleagues i went out to to meet just got a little flight bag you know and managed it all it flies all the time so it was a bit of learning for me thinking i need to drop some baggage next time I don't need to carry all this stuff interesting um, it's that way around isn't it chris you know you're the guy and she's the girl and she's she's the one with a lighter bag <laughs> <laughs> well she did and also the guy we were meeting mansoor he had the very light bag but yeah, uh, yeah he, he'd um he'd been studying rumi for many years so maybe that's um comes out of some of his learnings there but mm. But I, I hadn't actually fl I hadn't flown since 2019, um, since pre-pandemic. So there's a bit of, you know, I hadn't been out on an adventure again. There's a bit of, you know, getting getting used to getting out into the world again. Yeah, I think I think there's that for all of us. And I I do know. And I was um, had a lovely interview with a colleague of yours and mine, Dave Heiner, last week, and he was talking about young people who've been very impacted by the last three years and who have actually found themselves not wanting to go back out into society or back yeah. to school or back to college, you know, for, for various reasons. So there are many people who are, you know, physically impacted or mentally impacted and not wanting to rejoin society and go on those adventures anymore. It's been a real problem for many people. Yeah, abso absolutely. Mm. So tell us about the, some of the stages in the journey then that Morris goes on that are particularly, particularly important. So we've got the storm. We've talked about that. The place where I focus a lot of my attention and where many of my clients get stuck is what I call the murky swamp of reality. Mm. You know, it is a bit like I, I, I do remember this time when my daughter it was about this time of year. Actually, we went on a family walk and we went to a, a lovely open countryside area and she just ended up in a swamp she stepped into something that looked like well it looked like a path actually but <laughs> a murky swamp and she sunk up to so it that kind of reminds me of that but when you when you sink into a swamp and you know you get stuck in the mud you thrash around and she thrashed around and you're trying to find your way out. And sometimes it just makes things worse. You make the water all mug, muddy, mm. and, you know, you can't see. And, and so there's this sense of needing to be still. I need to say, okay, right. Uh, how am I stuck? Where am I stuck? So we talk in, in mediation about reality coming to terms with the reality. What is the reality of my situation? Where am I really? Because you know, that's not clear until we come to terms with what is my situation? Why am I here? 
what am I experiencing? What were my expectations? What's some of the evidence I'm relying on that makes me understand the reality of my situation? And then getting clarity. What, what, so we talk about getting clear, getting clear about that and about how I can move forward from here. And so many people, I think, you know, in a particular situation or may spend a lot of their lives in this kind of murky swamp area where they're not terribly clear where they're going next, not terribly clear what their potential is even. And yet if you can sort of be still and maybe go deeper into the swamp in a sense. And I come back to a film called Touching the Void, if you've ever seen it, which is a, a mountaineering film about uh, a mountaineer he uh, falls down a crevasse and he's got a broken leg and he there's no way he can climb back out it's a bit like being in the swamp his only choice is either to stay on the ledge and die or to go deeper into the crevasse and I think sometimes we need to go deeper into our problems sometimes we need to go deeper into ourselves actually and say how can I get a really deeper understanding of my situation, of myself, of other people who are impacted in this situation? And that's a phase of the journey and a phase of the journey of the work that I do where it's easy to skip that. It's easy to say, no, 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 let's move on to solutions. Let's let's get, you know, we love to solve problems. Let's, let's get Let's get to the solution. But unless you've done that deeper work, you've really gone deep into the reality of your situation, the clarity of it, you're not going to be able to move forward in the same way. So that is a really important part of this journey, Chris, that 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 um, part of the map. Yeah. And sometimes well, there's this, we, we actually hold a lot more wisdom inside us than we realise, don't we? And it's uh, by going deeper, we can access some of that because there's that, that, that inner searching for the answers internally as well as in your book you there's there's wise there's characters such as the wise owl and the tiger and the snake and and the soaring eagle and th those uh, external characters can be helpful but some of them can be naysayers and unhelpful so i i you know finding that that inner strength and that inner message that inner voice mm -hmm. um that recently called as your inner muse can be is an important guide as well as those outside of you and I think one of the challenges, and you've talked about climate and, and all of the other problems that um, we're managing in society right now, is it's very easy for someone else to come up with a solution. And it's very easy for us to accept one narrative and one solution. And I think, yeah. you know, as a society, we need to, to do this digging deeper. Where is all the evidence? What are all the options? What is the reality of the situation? And therefore, what are the different ways that we can see it rather than one narrative, one solution? Because there are many, many ways that we can see things and many people who we can draw on, but maybe we're not doing that deeper work as yeah. a society as well. I think we've also got to be very very careful because there are a lot of people wanting to or people will impact your subconscious mind with, with political messages and yeah. I was reading this morning about deep fake videos and they, they worry that uh, these elections that are now being impacted when a, a deep fake video comes out uh, a week or two before an election which uh, shows somebody uh, incorrectly trying to fix the election or something and then the other one gets chosen and you don't get the best solution mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's a bit scary so we've got to got to become pretty wise i think uh to some of these challenges so tell us a little bit about you know the 
the characters that Morris meets on the journey and why each one is important? So first of all, well, first of all, he's got his friend, the rabbit, who's kind of, you know, wanting to, and, and we can all recognise that, someone who's been in your life as it was before, and they don't want you to move on and to change. So they're like, nah, you don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to change the way you are or the way you see things. Stay here, stay with me, you know, stay safe. And then who else does he meet on the way? Um, he's got the wise owl. So the wise owl is very much like a sort of coach or a mentor, someone who's there for you. And, and those of us who've experienced coaching and mentoring know that a good coach or mentor isn't telling you what to do. They're there to just sort of, yeah, guide you, reassure you, test you, but not to be, not even to be with you on the whole journey. So that's that's the wise owl. He, uh, he features a lot then we get to this place called the the crossroads and uh, that's an important place because that's the place where you do make a choice and there are a, a, a character there called the slippery snake and many of us have come across slippery snakes in our <laughs> lives um again you know it could be somebody who wants to sabotage your attempts to move forward it could be somebody who's just a little bit tricky but the slippery snake is very tempting, tempting you again, not to bother with the journey. You know, why don't you stay safe? Stay with me. I'll be the one actually who looks after you. If when you're looking for that saviour, someone to look after you, there's the slippery snake saying, well, don't you worry, I'll look after you. You know, no need to worry anymore. No need to go on your journey. No need to look at your vision anymore. Just stay here, stay small, stay safe. And, you know, the, the, many of us, again, meet these slippery snakes in, in different guises. So that's the other character. And, and then finally, there are two, two characters, two sort of opposite characters. There's a tiger and an eagle. And, and I think people will find their own interpretations of these characters, too, depending on what they what they see and feel. But for me, um, a tiger is... Someone who's trying to be helpful, but much more of a controlling sort of force or influence. Someone who's sort of on your back saying, telling you where to do, telling you what to go, making you stick to the path that they think is right for you rather than yours. Whereas an eagle is much more, has got your back, if you like, is 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 flying above and only swoops down to sort of help you if you need it, they're not on your back the whole time. So did you do that? Have you done that? You know, it's like, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, mm. so, and you can see that in management styles, for example, and parenting and, you know, many different relationships. You've got these opposing forces, if you like. And all of us have that within us too, of our, our desire to control others, our desire to control outcomes. So you can see in those two opposite characters a, a pull between two different ways of being. Uh, that I think all of us experience, as I say, within ourselves as well as in others who are trying to uh, force us to take different different paths. Mm. I, I like the I like the eagle in respect of the eagle soaring, and I guess seeing the bigger picture, yeah. seeing the view, getting be able to get above the clouds and see what's really yeah. really going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's some. I, I would see that as a character that, in some ways, um, you have to become. Yes. As, as opposed to maybe one you always meet but it might be you've yeah. got to start to take that higher picture yes you do yeah uh, and that's also when you end up at the top of the mountain again you find that place where you can see 
you know, 360 degrees, you've got that overall view of the whole landscape that you just never had before. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we shouldn't share, spoil the story in terms of uh, saying what Morris does when he gets to the mountain. Maybe we should keep yeah. that one as a little, as a little surprise uh, for the end. But do, any any sort of key messages that we've maybe not discussed that you that are important people take away for you from the book? I, I think the key message for me, and I thought about this, Chris, it's just have courage. I think, you know, I think we live in a world which lacks the courage sometimes to speak up, to step up, to be ourselves, to fulfill our potential, to go on those adventures uh, and actually to carve our own path. And there are so many things that hold us back. I mean, when I was doing the interview with David Hine last week, we're talking so much about peer pressure, there's so much peer pressure, social pressure. And so it's quite hard to find your own path these days, I think. And particularly when you've been faced with a challenge and there's obviously there's so many people who think they know what's right for you and what's best for you and what's good for you. The challenge to find your own path, to find your own vision and stick to that path and yet still be kind and courteous and respectful and all of those things that we need to be. It's not about being, it's not about treading on other people to get there. It's about you know, being true to yourself and um, and to others at the same time. Do you think, Jane, I hope it's not a curveball, do you, but do you think that mm. there is a journey that we are meant to all go on or we're given the choice, some people choose not to go on it, but if we, but if we go on it, it leads to self-discovery and yeah. leads us to realising more of our potential like Morris did. I do think so. I think we've all got that potential. I mean, there may be many people who hold us back, could be our parents or other people who actively hold us back. But I think yeah. we all have the potential to go on that journey. I think some people choose not to. Some people are, you know, find it more difficult than others. But I think it's I think that's my desire for people is that they do make an active choice to step up and step out and find the and find the adventure. I, I think the quote at the beginning is life is either, uh, what is it? Life is either a, a, an adventure or it's nothing at all, which is Helen Keller's quote. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's it. You know, I think I think life is supposed to be an adventure. And, and sometimes we don't, we don't accept that challenge. Fantastic. Well, I applaud you on this, on writing this wonderful book, the uh... The mole and the mountain. It's a uh, nice thing, is it? It's not one of those that takes up a huge amount of space on your bookshelf and <laughs> a nice little uh, little book for coffee and and office and bedtime reading and just slips nicely into your bag for the underground. Um, so uh, I hope people will go and uh, and and have a look at a at a copy. And but Jane, where, how do people actually access it? Where do they, can they buy it from? Well, it's, it's going to be up on Amazon shortly. I'm going to put a link in the comments below where you can find it. You can buy it through the landing page on my website. So I'll put that in the comments below so that you can click on that and uh, find out where to buy it. And actually, if anybody would like a signed copy, I'm more than happy to um, sign that and send it. If you're on the other side of the world, the postage might be a bit of a distraction. But <laughs> signed copies, um, uh, I'm very happy. There you go. You've got a signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's lovely it's lovely to send signed copies to people so very happy to do that if you'd like one fantastic well jane it's been a, an honor to turn the tables on you 
yeah. today and uh, and get to spend some time with you because I always enjoy our conversations very much and I do hope people enjoy the book and I do hope it gives some inspiration and wisdom to go on that journey and uh, and really make the most of uh, of their life and their opportunity because right now there's a great storm kind of happening um, and we need people to step up don't we to we need to step up and make a contribution to a better world so there's no better time to step up so thanks jane thank you very much chris thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and colleagues Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Survival podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, please go to janegunn.co.uk forward slash video. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>